It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Tuesday, the 25th of January, and as always, I am joined by my chilly friend Brandon Parks from the Ice Cold University of Tennessee. Hello from sunny Tampa, Mr. Parks. Well, I can guarantee you it is not nearly as warm in uh, sunny Knoxville as it is sunny Tampa, but these are the days of January, and 2022 is here, and we're excited about it. <laughs> We, uh, we want to talk today about, I think, the second biggest challenge for any sports seller, and that's the renewal. Um, generally, bringing a client in is the most challenging, but renewals can be incredibly difficult as well. So, Brandon, we're going to talk about renewals today. Renewals. It is uh, Renewals and growth are the lifeblood of our business, um, and you're exactly right. Uh, it... it two things that are very difficult for sellers. One is to bring the new business in, but then also it's how do we get them renewed? And then once you do get them renewed and you have them in the boat and you have them for a period of time, then you start talking about the conversation around it's a lot easier to renew someone than it is to go find somebody new. So what are all the things that we're doing? What are the things we're engaged with to get the conversation to where it's a positive renewal discussion? Uh, it's hard. And, I mean, it's hard. It's uh, hard because it's <laughs> it, it, because you make assumptions um, about people and about what they think and how they think, and people change all the time, um, and that's brutal. Uh, but I, I want to go back, Brandon. This is a long time ago. Um, I, I did a speech. I, I think it was even in the state of Florida. I think you were at this thing when they asked us to talk. Um, they asked my company to talk about. The model, the service model. You remember this? We were down. I don't know. We were down in like. Uh, I do. We were in. We were in Tampa. Oh, okay. Um, it, is it was. In, it. it was in the fall in Tampa, probably about ten years ago. Wow. Yeah, and I remember when I when I said that meeting, you and I talked about it later, and that was that I was scared that college athletics was going to go to the pro model of service, and by the pro model, what I mean there is that you know, Brandon, you sold me a contract. We get a deal done, and then you give me a very young, out-of-college person who is now in charge of my client and myself for the next period of time, two years, three years, however long the contract goes. And then when you as a seller, you step back in after those three years and say, hey, let's do a renewal. That, that was what I was afraid of because I think it's broken. And uh, right. I think my fears all came to fruition because across the country, that model of having young people service while the older people sell – um, has come true, although you are not in that category because you stay involved the whole time. But uh, that to me is the biggest challenge in renewals right now is that that pro model is everywhere. Well, I think at Tennessee, we adopted, I'm going to call it almost a hybrid model of that. So, so we do have our partner services coordinators uh, who, who I think do a terrific job, but we have not gone far, far away from the lead account executive being involved in the day-to-day -day of the agreement. And I feel like for the long-term success, basically what you're talking about, I think for the long-term success, it behooves me as a seller to be engaged with the client um, and to be there every step of the way, leaning on my partner services coordinators to help us activate at a high level, um, but not, 
I cannot adopt or or subscribe to a, a scenario where you hear from me once a year. Um, yeah. That's just not how I was brought up and mentored in this business. And that philosophically, I, I feel like I'm far more successful when I'm engaged on, on really a day-to-day -day basis, leaning on my partner services coordinators to help take some of the some of the pressure off from a from an activation perspective. Um, but you're the but exception, I feel Brad. Like I, you're the exception. I'm just telling you. I mean, we well, have deals all over the country, and and uh, I have uh, you know a half dozen people that are like you um, that are involved all the time. But more often than not, I have junior chipmunks who come in, they get hired. Uh, they're probably only going to be there a year and a half, two years at most, but they are in charge of my relationship. And it, it, it is extremely frustrating um, to have that situation on a college level because we want our clients, we want them all super engaged. We want them to feel like uh, it's kind of a, a kings to kings discussion where they get to know you, they get to know your boss, they get to know the whole staff, and they get to—they don't just get to know the the young person that was assigned to them. So, I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm, I don't—I don't think that's—I—I—I I, I don't believe that that is the norm around the country. That's a problem. That makes well, renewals a bigger challenge. It does, and and I'll say this too: if if we as an industry or we as a company are not examining our retention rates and our renewal rates. And, and if those renewal rates or retention rates are slipping, then we need to be trying to figure out why they're slipping. And if, if what you're saying is true, then it's gonna lead us back to the scenario where uh, the, the true, the quote unquote seller, the account executive has to be more engaged in the conversation. Yeah. You know, one of the things uh, you, if you we said... want, if, 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 you want, if you want those renewal rates to be higher, um, you know, now historically at Tennessee, we've had, we've had really good success with that and it spans generation of sellers to be honest but i hope that that's because it's a philosophical way that we go to market it's the way that i was taught and it's hopefully the way that i'm teaching our younger sellers and it's something that carries on for years to come but um you know hey there's always different ways to do things this is what's worked for us and so we're going to stick with it you, you sent me a note before we were um, we were talking about how to do this you talked about the recap and and that's another thing that has changed dramatically in the last six to eight years and not in a good way. You know, I think that as we become digital and we've, you know, we've stopped human contact and we've zoomed and we've done all this garbage, you know, I say this as we do a podcast. Um, it, 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 <laughs> one of the things that has changed is this the idea of a recap, whether it's a digital recap or even a physical recap, which makes you feel like you're a hundred years old. But that process of doing a recap, a piece of, of information that the client can then feel good about the year and looking at all the bonuses because every school is going to bonus the hell out of you in terms of how many spots they actually ran and how many things and all the, then they come up with the fictitious amount of money that your signage is worth on some ridiculous media. But all that at the end of the day is good. All that shows the client and you know at the end of the day, hey, this is all the things we did for you and even if it's not a renewal, if it's just an annual thing, because the only time you're ever going to see it seemingly now is a renewal, it really is a great piece of information. And we have now, in the last six to eight months, um, kind of made it a, a note to ask for these because it, it's a check you point, right, for both of us. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and tell you, I think the recap document is as important as the initial presentation proposal document. Um, right. 
because in a lot in a lot of ways that recap document sets the stage for hopefully what becomes a positive conversation from a renewal. Right. Uh, and and I will tell you certainly, and you and you talk about the Zoom world and the digital world, uh, and and that's how we live right now. The the recap is the document that almost lets me bring things to life. It, it allows me to tell the story of hopefully what we've accomplished over that past over the past year. Uh, it allows me to show photos from inside of our venue, of our football stadium, of our signage, of our activation, uh, and bring the partnership to life. Um, I actually look at it more as a way to almost brag on yourself. Right. Because if you if you do have the over-delivery you're talking about, you want all that good stuff in there. Um, but to, to me, that especially for, for sponsorship packages now that include a wide variety of assets, maybe they cross multiple sports, maybe they're key... Uh, initiatives, goals that are strategic in nature that you're trying to judge yourself against, that recap document becomes really important to almost setting the tone for what is the renewal discussion. And here's, and here's what's not, not happening that I thought would happen now because of the technology we live in, is that right now a good recap is probably, you know, whatever it is, 10 to 12 pages, whether digitally or in person, of stuff that happened. You know what's not happening, Brandon? Is... All What's the that? digital tools we have, if you're going to do a digital recap, wouldn't that digital recap be awesome if you had footage of everything? If you had footage of their signage, if you had TV highlights of their yeah. stuff, if you, if you had, you know, I, I, you might see a play button for a radio spot, you know, or, mm -hmm. but the tools we have at our disposal right now in terms yeah. to be able to replay all the social media, um, I mean, it's, it, yeah. that's what would make an unbelievable recap and we don't have that either so to your point you're right we, uh, you're, you're right but we it's it's interesting we just had that exact conversation this morning in our office and i'm going to take it to the game site uh, someone has a video board feature that runs during the game during a football game or it's an on-field activation our ability to bring that to life and get to a place where we can record those things and then be able to represent those things versus still photography is great. Right. And as sponsorship has evolved, so has our ability to to communicate back to clients on, hey, here's how here's how the sponsorship was activated. But we have to continue to evolve uh, and integrate on the sponsorship activation side. So the reality is when you have this great moment in the third quarter and the team scores a touchdown and the stadium's going nuts and then here is your brand up on the 360 LED ring in the middle of all that passion and energy, we have to be able to capture that on video. Mm -hmm. That's my so point, that, right. So that sponsors have that sense of the energy and passion and emotion that, that the brand is being exposed to. Futuristically, that I want a person on staff that is, in short, a videographer, and they'll go to a basketball game with a punch list of videos that we're trying to capture. And I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the great example, and I'm gonna email it to you and get your feedback. This stuff doesn't have to be Mona Lisa, Steven Spielberg, on day one. Right. Give me an open graphic, give me the juice, and give me a closing graphic. Right. That's all I want. Right. And so we did a youth football day for the Dick's House of Sport for the Tennessee Vanderbilt game. So we put 500 kids down on the field at baseball stadium and they went through an NFL combine. And the mom and dads got to sit in the stands and watch their kids down on the field. So we captured, we got like a one minute video 
from that day to be able to send back to Pittsburgh so Dix could see it come to life. It was the most basic production, but it did such a better job of telling our story than if I'd sent them a hundred pictures. Right. And even the if they were there, it's okay. If they were there, it brings them back yeah. to that moment. And if they weren't there, you're able to share it. But that, that's kind of missing. It's kind of missing in the recap scenario. But anyway, to your point, yeah, recaps are kind of a dying thing, but they shouldn't be. Um, they should be something that should be the first step to a good renewal is to go over all those. And because you can, and hell, you can be honest, which I know, you know, schools aren't, you know, it, tell about where you fell out. Let's do this, you know, especially over the last two sure. and a half years where, you know, COVID stole our reality from us. And so, you know, it, it, there's a lot of things we can do better. But anyway, moving on from the recap, I, you know, the other, the other thing that I love talking about from a renewal perspective, and I want to, because I know you and I are going to be on, uh, uh, we've obviously on opposite ends of the spectrum with this one, is when is the appropriate time to have a renewal discussion? You know, one of the, one of the kind of points of pride in our company is kind of having this feel for when to do this. You know, when is it right time yeah. to renew? Uh, and, it, it, you know, we know when the right time for us is, you know, from a client perspective, it's, it's, it's just like buying stock, right? You want to buy low and then maintain at the high. Um, for us, right. you never want to renew it. You never want to talk about a renewal after a national championship. Uh, you don't want to talk to about a renewal after a school is, is going to just move into a new league, you know, like A&M or Texas over the last four years uh, or Oklahoma or for that matter. But even, even the small schools, which in the last – 24 months seem to be jumping to division one, like, you know, popcorn jumping out of a pan. Um, all those are bad times to have a renewal discussion for us. But I, I wanted, what do you think, Brandon? I mean, you're on the other side. I mean, you're, you, you're thinking the exact opposite. Hey, we just had a great year. Let's go get everybody. Yeah. Um, our timing's always going to be, it's never early enough to discuss a renewal. Um, in, in fact, I will tell you, we as a company, if, if we have an annual contract that's that, that has to be renewed every year, uh, we're encouraged to start that discussion in the fall while we're in the middle while we're in the middle of the season of football. Um, and, and, and so oftentimes you'll hear back from the client, hey, I'm happy to have this conversation or entertain this this dialogue with you, but it's hard to have a renewal discussion when I don't truly don't know what the results are going to be from from the season that we're right in the middle of. Right. Um, so, you know, from an, an annual renewing standpoint, you'd love to be able to start some of that in late fall. A lot of it obviously begins in January once for, if you're a football school, once football is over uh, and then it's in earnest, obviously the rest of the spring, but then you're right. There are strategic times when you want to be able to have renewal discussions. And hopefully that's when your school is taking a big step in some form or fashion. Right. Uh, you know, uh, exactly what you said, changing leagues, coming off a national championship, coming off a conference championship, or we have new technology in our facilities, want to make sure you're not left out, <laughs> those kinds of things. Um, right. You know, but, but at the end of the day, I'm also pretty self-aware from the standpoint that the client is the one that's in making the investment. And so as much as I can encourage, I'm probably going to have to follow their lead about what, what does their budgeting process look like? Is it based on a calendar year or a fiscal year? So there, there are a lot of those things that are almost out of my control that you got to take the lead from the client. And, and you're right. And, and what, you know, going, just kind of dovetailing on that. And so it's, it's, 
let's say it's time we believe, you know, whether mutually or, you know, our, our company is trying to drive bus for our client, you know, that it's a time that is time to renew. So we believe this is the right time. For instance, I'll give you some real world examples. I mean, when, when A&M was going to join the SEC, we had three clients with A&M. And, and so at that point, but when the rumors were out there, we got all of our clients to jump and go and say, let's, it, this is time because in another six months to a year, it may not be, right. it may not look the same. Um, and changing leagues doesn't materially change the inventory that a digital school had, but we just felt like, you know, hey, this school might think differently in six months or a year. Um, and the same thing, we just, in fact, we just had a, for one of our clients, we had a, we just finished a big negotiation with Texas because, you know, although no one thinks bigger than Texas, the truth is, is their, their, you know, their world is going to change materially uh, in another year or two because their entire network is going to be folded in and might look different um, than it did before. But, but the point I think, and I think this is you, you wrote me another note talking about, you know, single year versus multi-year. One of the challenges, and I, and this is where I don't even have a stand here because every situation is so unique. When you talk about looking at a client from a doing a single year deal and a multiple year deal. It is so hard to go down this path, and every situation is so incredibly unique. But one of the frustrations is that there is an assumption with every person that's in your shoes that an escalator is an imperative, that there is no way to even look at a deal that is flat. And one of the things that's frustrating is that I think that you should be able to look at a multiple-year deal if you can lock in a flat number. I know you and I have done deals like that. You've been very good to work with, but we're talking about the world here, not just Brandon and Paul. And right. It, because to me, if I'm representing a client and we're willing to lock ourselves into multiple years, the world is not going up by 5% a year. So why should us as a client agree to that kind of a deal, especially when it is a results-oriented business? And so it is really hard because if you do a single-year deal, it's pretty damn hard to think you're going to continue to do single year, single year, single year deals and never have increases. Whereas a multiple year deal, you can maybe control that bot, that that top end um, from our perspective. But I know you think of it differently. Well, okay, let me start with with an annual agreement or a single year agreement. Um, first off, we don't ever want to be in the business of doing one year deals and then they're done. Right. It. It is really fruitless for us to invest a significant amount of time and energy in a relationship that comes in for one year, takes advantage of all the assets that are available, and then it is no longer with us. That's so, fair. in fact, we'll talk about that with clients. Hey, we want you we want you around for the long term, for the long haul. We're more interested in making sure that we do a good job in year one to earn your business, so that we know that we've got you around for years two, three, four, and five. You know, it, it, we are not interested in in having a one-year agreement that goes away. I mean, it, it, as fast as the clock and the calendar moves now, as soon as you get a, uh, an agreement to contract, you're activating, and then boom, it's over. It's it's unbelievable how fast times move now. So, okay, th that being said, so then when you do have the annual contracts, and it is time to renew those from my from our seat, from the seller's seat, one of the one of the topics of discussion and the reason we hope people will consider multi-year agreements is there is a time investment that goes into having to go through a renewal process each and every year. And that becomes an opportunity cost 
So if, if you're someone that's going to renew annually, then be prepared for five to 10% escalators. And then that's how we hopefully motivate sometimes uh, sponsors to look at multi-year where you can potentially have a reduced escalator. I think what the challenge is across the board and probably why you hear it from so many properties on, I've got to have an escalator, I've got to have an escalator. Based on the agreement that you have at your school, there could be a situation where you have a rights fee that is increasing on an annual basis and you're trying as you manage your business you obviously know that 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 rights fee is increasing so therefore you've got to find a way to make up that gap um, and so what you hope is annual growth with current partners helps make up some of the gap but then also you've got your new business that's got to play a role in that too um, yeah, that's, but, a, that's a great point, Brandon, that, that basically you guys are held hostage by your rice fee, which I get. Um, and, you're, and the rice fees are, in the old world, were very rarely flat. And in the new world, the difference is, is now there's some rev share with a lot of schools. And so maybe that might change the dynamics of long-term deals. Well, and what, what, we, what I think we're seeing early on is the continued push for the schools to be able to increase their annual operating budget and the continued push to be able to upgrade facilities and do renovations what has happened is the although you may let's say you're in a revenue share agreement you may not have the pressure of an annual escalator but there is an expectation of growth that goes along with that right and right. so you know, the reality is we're all operating in a world where what we did this past year is not enough for the next year. Yeah. Um, and so I would say one of the ways that you can have that conversation is is, is obviously with the renewal and, and an escalator within the renewal. But then all that being said, when you and I sit down, I don't even want to say across from one another, but when you and I sit down to discuss a partnership agreement, we're going to do everything in our power to help get that across the finish line in whatever means that it takes to do it. And, and, and we have a saying in our office, there is always an agreement to be had and you want to have a fair agreement where both partners feel like uh, it is fair to both sides. The moment in a negotiation when that discussion tilts out of balance one way or the other, then it doesn't become a good deal for both sides. And, and at times you have to walk away. Uh, but I think we always try to find that middle ground. And if Paul, if I need you to help me with an increase for whatever reason, uh, I've got to be prepared to, to hopefully add some additional value to go in there uh, to get you across the finish line. If that is a real point of contention or if it's, or it creates heartburn for you. Yeah, you know what? I'm all, sometimes, sometimes I think we, sometimes I think we have to step back, take a deep breath, and take a common sense approach. I agree. Approach I will say this: you know, we have. I honestly have no problem with with increases. It's part of our life. We understand that's that's reality. What I like to see, and I think this is a lot of the deals we do at Knox Sports are all results based, right? They're they're not about just impressions. They're about moving people into a store, having people get uh, grab data. You know, all the things that are right. measurables that we do. So I will say that if a relationship is showing growth from a result standpoint, I'm fine. The, fr the, the frustration comes 
when a relationship doesn't have enough metrics to show any growth and you have for an increase for same inventory. And that's hard. But I have no that's problem. Fair. You know, I think that's just that's the way, you know, and so the old school way of doing deals, which was brand brand centric, you can't give the same inventory year over year over year. Um, cause then the only justification for an increase would be the team performance and none of us want to live in that world. So we oh, have, precisely. You know, right. So then yeah. we, you know, the new way of thinking, okay, if we're going to make this a results business and the results are improving, then we're good. And so there becomes, then, then it becomes a sweet spot because I'm, I'm with you. I, I, we hate one year deals. We hate them because it puts undue pressure on everybody to settle in and get something done. Um, so we like multi-year deals too well, because I, it gives us the runway to have success. And I would love to get your feedback on this. When we when we have a discussion with a new partner, and this happens a lot, and they'll they'll give us an example of, hey, we see everything that you're doing with First Horizon, your bank, or we hear all the commercials for natural gas, and and have heard them for years. And we want to get to that level and we want to have that kind of brand recognition and we want that kind of activation and, and all those things. It takes time to create these partnerships that ultimately deliver results year over year over year. But the snowball doesn't start at the top of the mountain as a 1,000 pound snowball. It takes time and, and it takes energy and it takes frequency to create the kind of relationship that a lot of marketers are looking for. Right. And they're using the examples of brands that we've had engaged for 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. And over the course of that time, it's evolved into this thing that's just magnificent but it didn't start that way in year one. And I think marketers almost get ahead of themselves and their expectations sometimes in year one is not realistic. No, you're hundred percent right. I'd love your feedback on that. No, you're you right. Know, I mean, we, 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 we love a long runway because it's just equity, brand equity translates into results and, and people are comfortable with the brand. They're comfortable with the promotion. Um, they believe the promotion because of the brand equity. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it might be the second season where they finally have heard that particular promotion, um, 36 times that they finally pulled the trigger and, or they've done it multiple times and they love it because they believe it. So there's a lot of things. I, right. The only thing I would disagree with is a snowball that starts in Knoxville. By the time it gets to Tampa, it's melted and gone. So we got to be careful. <laughs> um, well, Hey, and, and you and I have a real life example. We have a pizza company that we work with mm -hmm. and, it took, it took uh, a while. we've what, it, it, it took a, a year or two. Yeah. But in fact, the remarkable part was during COVID, it picked up a ton of momentum just because so many people were eating at home and not eating out as much. So, and this happens to be a product you go by and pick up. Right. Um, and so it, but it takes time, but we can't expect in year one that the trigger response is going to be as good as it is, as it is for a partner that's done it for 10 years. It exactly. just takes time. And, and you got to have a little patience, but I think in the long run, uh, we all believe that sports works in that regard and, and, and can work in a big way if you'll just be patient with it. I, well, you're right. And patience doesn't necessarily mean five years. I mean, there is a sweet spot, right? I mean, college deals, I, I don't think, well, I know you would probably argue this, but college deals weren't meant to be five-year deals or 10-year deals. College deals were meant to be two to three-year years because that's, that's a cycle, right? A three-year cycle sure. is a wonderful term. 
Um, it, you know, it's almost like you're a freshman recruit. You know, you want to be going pro after the third year. And after the third year, you'd like to be able to look back at that deal and be able to change all the weak spots and, and improve all the good things and just kind of build on it. And quite honestly, technology for us and the assets that you're selling that I'm buying are changing so radically that in three years, it's okay. Let's look at what you got now. Sure. Sure. And I, I think, I think you're exactly right. Three years is a good snapshot time frame, almost a thousand days where you have a chance to look back on something and determine, are we headed down the right path? What are the new wrinkles that need to be added? What are the things that need to come out? How can we do things a little bit better? I think that that three year time window is pretty good for that. If, if three years was only a thousand days, I'd only be 42 years old right now, which is nice. So I, I appreciate you stealing time. I guess away. I shorted that, didn't I? Yeah, it's okay. I uh, shorted it, yeah. And then yeah. that's that, that's the short end of our discussion today. Um, as, <laughs> because Brandon and I love you both, we're going to cut it off at, uh, at just a thousand and eighty days or whatever it is. So <laughs> on behalf of Brandon Parks, I am Paul Sigmund from Knox Sports. I thank you to listen for another edition of Knox Talk. And folks, if you like us, please... Feel free to rate us on whatever format you're listening to because that helps us keep going. And we appreciate all the people that are listening to us. So, so long for now. See you next time.